It's 8.29, you're listening to the 8 o'clock buzz, and you're listening to uh, to a song called Lottie Lottie Blues. We just heard a cover of it by the Coleman Hawkins Quartet from the 1960s, and now we're listening to the 1923 cut of the same name, recorded in Chicago by the uncrowned queen of the blues, Ida Cox. This song was released on the Paramount record label, which was started by the Wisconsin Chair Company uh, and based out of Grafton, Wisconsin in the 1920s. And this recording is one of thousands of artistic works that entered the public domain earlier this week. Indeed, at the start of each year, we get thousands of new books, plays, films, and recordings just like this one, newly released from the cages of copyright protection. The most recognizable figure released into the public domain for 2024, well, that'd be Mickey Mouse, or at least a version of Mickey Mouse from the 1928 short film Steamboat Willie. Let's hear a little clip of that Steamboat Willie. So that film was the debut for Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and also one of the first films ever to use synchronized sound. And uh, Mickey and Minnie's entrance to the public domain means creators are free to use, adapt, or do whatever they want with this version without any threat of legal action. Creative types are already lining up to do so. One filmmaker announced this week plans to make Steamboat Willie a horror comedy. I believe the plot of that is taking unsuspecting passengers hostage. A bit different. You could do something similar, just as so long as you steer clear of using any image of Mickey created by Disney after 1928. It's a lot of rules to keep track of, and here to help us navigate the complex world of copyright protection and celebrate Public Domain Day is UW-Madison professor Alan Rubel, where he teaches ethics. Uh, he, he's a professor at UW-Madison, and he teaches ethics and directs the Information School and formerly headed up the Center for Law, Justice, and Society. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. And am I saying your last name correctly? Yes, that's correct. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for, for joining us this morning. So start us off. What is the public to- domain, and how does something enter the public domain? That's that's a really good question, and um, I uh, I think the easiest thing to uh, make sense of the public domain is to just say a little bit about what copyright is. Sure. So copyright is um, a, a congressionally granted monopoly over intellectual works, so writings, plays, films, music, art, and so forth, as as you explained in your introduction. And what copyright does is give um, authors or copyright owners, doesn't always have to be the, the author, um, certain exclusive rights to reproduce a work, 
to distribute the work, um, put it up online, and to make derivative works from it. So copyright is this set of rights that allow the copyright holder to prevent others from doing things. And what the public domain is, is um, the lack of such exclusive rights. So something is in copyright, meaning the copyright holder has these, uh, has these powers. And when a work uh, such as the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse goes in the public domain, those go away. And it means that, as I think you put it really nicely in the, in the introduction here, um, it means people can do what they want with that, um, uh, with that stuff in the public domain. And so people are now posting the Steamboat Willie film on, on YouTube. Um, they are, uh, they are taking images and, um, clips and reorganizing them to make different kinds of films. And then you've talked about a derivative work, a, a, what a, a Steamboat Willie, um, horror flick. Uh, you can do all that. Whereas before you had very limited ability to do that. You had fair use, but, um, we can get into that a little bit, but, but, but you did not have the freedom that you have now. The Wikipedia page for Steamboat Willie, if you go into the talk section where all the editors talk about how to moderate the page, uh, there are people there, editors there, who have been talking about waiting to post the image of Steamboat Willie and Mickey Mouse <laughs> since the inception of Wikipedia, which, uh, yeah, people have been waiting for, for a while. And in fact, copyright protection at, uh, lasts a long time. There are kind of different rules, and they seem to have changed over the last century um, for how long copyright lasts. Can you briefly outline when copyright expires for certain things? Yeah, so that's a very complicated story, and, okay. it, and it can get really tedious really fast. Um, so I want to I want to just say a couple of um, key uh, note a couple of key benchmarks just to to set the stage here. Sure. So um, for old stuff, um, it mean older copyrighted stuff. Music is a little weird. That is recorded music is a little different. Um, but older copyrighted stuff like Steamboat Willie and and some of the um, uh, books that have come into public domain this year. Um, stuff moves into public domain after 95 years. For recent stuff, roughly post-1978, um, it's life of the author plus 70 years. There's a lot more nuances, but that's, that's roughly it. And that's changed over the years. And one of the reasons that Mickey Mouse coming into public domain being such a big deal is that those changes have kind of tracked Mickey Mouse's potential um, move into the public domain. That is, there was um, originally a 56-year uh, term for copyright that was going to expire um, in the 80s. That was extended until the early 2000s. And then in 1998, there was another extension of copyright right as Mickey Mouse was about to come into the public domain, which pushed it, uh, pushed the copyright term to 95 years. And so that thing about Wikipedia that you say is really, really interesting because that's, that's kind of the lifetime of Wikipedia, right? So, um, in 1998, this new copyright act passed and, um, that sort of precluded the, the early versions of Wikipedia from, um, getting, uh, getting to post Mickey Mouse, um, yeah, in the early 2000s. 
Yeah, and so this year seems to be sort of a watershed moment, j- primarily because of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And um, I didn't tell you I'd be asking this, but it occurred to me late last night that, you know, this is a product of Disney, right? Walt Disney. Um, and Disney has long been a pretty litigious company in upholding its copyrights um, and fighting to extend copyright protections and lobbying to do that because they want to retain these rights and make money off of it as long as possible. It, can you kind of speak to that at all? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not... Um an expert on the, the the precise contours of of the litigation, but yes, you're absolutely right. That Disney is is highly protective of its intellectual property, and they were a key part of lobbying efforts to extend copyright terms, um, in part for for Mickey Mouse, but also all of their other um, intellectual property dating um, back to the 20s and 30s, uh, which you know will continue to allow them to. Um, uh, uh, use those bits of intellectual property to make money for for a much more extended time. In fact, um, a, a number of people have referred to the the 1998 extensions as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. Um, now, you know that's that's just that's rhetoric, and I, don't, I I think that there is there are a lot of people who wanted to extend copyright, and um, you know it's more complicated than just Disney, but at the same time. They were an important player, and they do have this reputation. So I think there is this really important cultural watershed of, you know, finally Mickey Mouse is in the public domain. And, you know, Disney, um, yeah, uh, Disney is now part of the public domain, or, or at least a, a key part of Disney is now part of the public domain. And that's that's really important. Right. I, I was reading one of the plethora of articles about this online and um, a, a variety, I think, had talked to a creator, uh, a cartoonist who had uh, attempted parody of Mickey Mouse doing some pretty obscene things um, and he was sued by Disney in this I think the 70s right and so Disney has this reputation of actually enforcing copyright uh, claims and uh, protecting itself against copyright infringement um, even though there there's a lot of copyright infringement that probably happens that never kind of goes to court or gets pursued. Um, Disney has a reputation of actually pursuing it. Um, And on that subject, there are still some caveats to Mickey and Minnie being in the public domain. The 1928 version of them is in the public domain from this this film, the first film where they were introduced, their debut. Um, but what are the limitations that people should be aware of if they maybe want to make a parody of Mickey Mouse doing some obscene things? What, what should they know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's that's a that's a great question, and um, I want to I want to I want to describe that in two ways. So first. You mentioned the litigiousness and uh, parody, you know, seeing parodies of, of Mickey Mouse back from decades ago. What's interesting about Disney and other people's litigiousness is that it can can kind of stymie, not kind of, it, can, it does stymie even parodies that are permissible under copyright law. So copyright laws also have a um, protection for use of copyrighted stuff called fair use. And certain kinds of work, um, depending on, you know, what it does, whether it's transformative, how much of the the use, a uh, copyrighted work is used and so forth, um, are not infringing uses. So 
Disney's willingness to sue um, you know, just creates a burden for people even doing legitimate fair use parodies because, you know, who can go up against Disney? So mm. there's, that's a limitation that Disney creates that, that may not be legitimate. Um, but on the other hand, there's this, the, 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 the question you actually asked is, you know, what, what does one need to be wary of? And that is that um, Disney has its own right to make derivative works of the original Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse. And so they've changed Mickey over the years. They've changed um, uh, uh, how he looks. You know, he, he looks a little more friendly now. He's not quite as angular and rat-like. Um, his eyes are different. His clothes are different. And the closer one gets to those more recent and iconic versions of Mickey Mouse, the more likely it is that you're infringing the copyright of, of Disney. So, and the closer you are, you can make your own changes, right? But they can't be changes that, um, are, that, are, um, that aren't obvious or sort of minimal and look a lot like the, the more recent Disney changes. That's, that's one of the big things. Um, moreover, plots, right? You can't, say, copy the plot of later Mickey Mouse uh, uh, films, right? you sticking close to Steamboat Willie or making your own derivative works, that's permissible. But, um, you know, really tracking later films would, would probably not be. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to avoid infringing on something else, which is called trademark, right? Disney still has yeah, a trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So, so right. It gives you, <laughs> I, that was, that's sort of the obvious one. And thank you for prompting me on that. I, I, got, I, I was thinking about fair use and this, this huge thing, right? So um, you need to be really careful of a couple of things. One is that you don't um, uh, use Mickey Mouse, any version of Mickey Mouse to imply that um, you are Disney or that would allow consumers or others to be um, persuaded or, or deceived into thinking that whatever it is you're selling or whatever you're doing is indeed a Disney-sanctioned product if it's not. And this is where intellectual property gets, gets dicey because trademark is one version of intellectual property that doesn't go into the public domain um, that is somebody a company or anybody can use a particular image or name that they've associated with their trade and built a reputation on um, indefinitely but that might also be copyrighted and that's and the copyrighted version can be used for certain things as long as it doesn't violate sort of the trademark thing which is about identifying a particular um, a particular uh, entity that that is holding itself out in business or in the public. Does that make sense? That got a little complicated. It makes sense to me, but I think it illustrates <laughs> the broader point of there's a lot of things to still be aware of, even though Mickey and Minnie Mouse are still in are are now in the public domain. We're talking That's about right. the public domain and copyright protection and uh, public domain day, which every year we celebrate on January 1st as new works enter the public domain. And as we kind of run up on our time, I'm talking with Alan Rubel, a professor at UW 
W. Madison, who specializes in this stuff. Um, Alan, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out for folks that the Center for the Study of the Public Domain at Duke Law School maintains a very active listing each year of things that are coming into the public domain. Other things this year include the first edition of Tigger from Woody the Pooh, uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover, uh, the Three Penny Opera by Bertolt Brecht. Is there anything that you're particularly excited about coming into the domain, or is this just like all too old for you still to be excited about it? No, I am. I am excited. Uh, I think that the Tigger is uh, particularly interesting because a lot of people have also been um, doing interesting things with with Winnie the Pooh. Um, so there was a, a sort of a horror slasher Winnie the Pooh uh, movie called Blood and Honey. Um, and, you know, you could see Tigger being part of that franchise. Um, there's an environmental parable that uh, was written about a deforested 100-acre wood that um, that Pooh was in. And, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, that one has such cultural resonance that adding a character like Tigger to it is really important. Um, and then I'm also excited for some of the sounds and films that can go up on YouTube and people can start um, using more I do have a little bit of regret that um, this didn't happen uh, 20 years ago, um, you know, as it would have had absent the 1998 act. And we haven't had the, the next 20 years of stuff either, which would take us into the 30s and 40s. Um, but it is very exciting um, every year to, to have more things available for uh, the rest of us to use and share and do with uh, lots of cool things. Yeah, I I have to share one more that I saw coming into the public domain before we go. It's a children's book called Millions of Cats, and it's the <laughs> oldest American picture book still in print and entered the domain on Monday, the public domain on Monday. And uh, I thought it was really cute. And then I read the plot of it, and it's basically all the cats eat each other. So it's it's really dark and maybe um, maybe <laughs> speaks to... <laughs> <laughs> how things have changed over time. I don't think it would be printed uh, uh, as a new thing today. Is there anything else you want to add, Professor Alan Rubel, before we go? I could spend a whole hour on this. Yeah, well, it's been really lovely talking, and um, I really appreciate that, you, that you've that you done this because I think it is a really important thing in our intellectual um, and cultural heritage in the U.S. Um, I think that um, what I'll add is I have seen, too, some interesting commentary about what people might want to do with uh, Steamboat Willie film. Um, if you watch the original, um, you know, it wouldn't meet our current OSHA standards or uh, labor standards. It's very interesting to see kind of a, an update of Steamboat Willie with, um, you know, workplace hazards and um, uh, you know, OSHA violations. Labor kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think those would be real. Those would be really cool. And I think that it will spark some some really uh, fun um, and and valuable cultural artifacts to, to come into existence. I think all the animals in that film get turned into musical instruments at some point. They so uh, yeah. that's one. Um, cool. Well, we've been talking about Public Domain Day, the turnover on the first of the year when formerly copyrighted works go into the public domain. Thank you, Professor Alan Rubel, for joining me this morning. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Alan Rubel teaches ethics and directs the Information School at UW-Madison and formerly headed up the Center for Law, Justice, and Society.